Have you ever noticed we use uh, an unusual phrase at communion time sometimes? Have you ever noticed that we often say that we're going we're gonna to have communion, we're going to celebrate communion today? Does that ever strike you as odd that you would celebrate something like that? We had a visitor to our church maybe a couple of years ago, a young man, and he, he, he visited first on, on Communion Sunday, on the Sunday morning. I watched him a little bit, you know, he's, he sat and he watched our communion service and he hadn't been to church for a long time. And when, when the service was over, I hurried to greet him. He shook my hand and he thanked me for the service and he said, your talk was great. You know, I laughed, I cried, but the ushers, they looked like they were at a funeral. I said, the ushers looked like they were at a funeral? Oh, you mean the deacons. You're right. They all look like pallbearers, don't they? On Communion Sunday, they're all dressed up like pallbearers. They're so serious. I said, well, you know, you got to understand, we celebrate Communion But it's a real serious celebration. I thought about that for a while, and I thought, you know, there's a way I can explain this to you. Years ago when I was a boy, on a weekend like this, or maybe even more more commonly on Memorial Day weekend, we lived on the other side of the state from my, my grandfather, who was a World War II veteran. We used to love to go over there on that long weekend. So we would drive across the state, sometimes on Sunday night after church, and we would arrive at the farm late, and then we would get up early on Monday morning on Memorial Day. It was pretty serious business. Flag would always be at half-staff. Things were kind of sober. Well, let's go to town. So we would go into Utica, a little hometown, Everybody in town showed up for this big parade. There'd be little children scampering for candy on the street. There'd be the high school band and proudly marching down the street. And there would be these old veterans. They'd come by with the flag, and my grandfather and my dad would elbow me, stand up, son, the flag is coming. And all of us would stand. And the flag of the United States of America would pass. I would look at my grandfather. He would always wipe a tear from the corner of his eye. The the parade went to the cemetery, and everybody would follow the parade to the cemetery. It would be almost noon. And then there would be a solemn service at the cemetery. They would remember the war dead. We often called that day Decoration Day. The old folks called it Decoration Day. And the cemetery was filled with people remembering the dead and especially the war dead. And there would be prayers, and there would be songs, and there would be tears. And then at noon, somebody would take the flag to the top of the pole. And you know what would happen then? Celebration would begin. They'd go home, and they'd get out the grill, and they'd grill these fat burgers and sweet iced tea and corn on the cob and tomatoes from the garden, and we'd play all day. We'd play our hearts out. We would laugh. We would joke. And you know, that's the way those men and women who died for our freedom would want it, isn't it? They would say, 
We died so that you could have some serious celebration. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, suffered and sacrificed and died so that we could be spiritually set free. When we celebrate communion, we celebrate it with a serious kind of celebration. We stop and we think and we're sober and we really don't joke about it. It's not a laughing matter. It's serious. And yet, welling up within us is this great sense of joy, this great sense of privilege for our freedom, this serious celebration that's, that's welling up within our souls. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14 says, God forbid that I should glory. Elsewhere in the Bible, that same word is often translated rejoice or celebrate. God forbid that I should celebrate except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom this world has been crucified to me and I to this world. Only believers understand the celebration of the death of their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3. We are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. And we rejoice, same word, we celebrate, we glory in Jesus Christ. We have no confidence in the flesh to gain our salvation. Our confidence is in the one who died. And it's in him that we rejoice, we glory, we celebrate. We celebrate that. And only we know how to celebrate, really celebrate. The one who died would have us celebrate what he purchased for us. Rejoice and glory in what he purchased for us. Scriptures are full of this. Take your Bible and look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. And listen, as we read this beautiful passage about Christ's death, about the cross of Jesus Christ, about the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are on their way to hell, those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, those of us who are on our way to heaven... The message of the cross is the power of God. (laughs) It's the power of God. It is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign. Greeks seek after after wisdom. But we, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because of the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put the shame of wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put the shame, the things that are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised. God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing things that are, that no flesh would glory, rejoice, or celebrate in His presence. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. For it is written, He who glories, celebrates, rejoices. Let Him glory, celebrate, rejoice in 
the Lord in Christ, in His death, in Calvary, in the Gospel, in the cross. That's our celebration. So it may be hard to understand initially, but that memorial, that, that independence and thanksgiving that we, that we, during this time of the summer, that we celebrate, it's best understood when we realize the one who sacrificed him, his life for us would have us rejoice and celebrate and live in spiritual and moral freedom. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, and I'll show it to you there, perhaps even more beautifully if, it, if that's possible. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Let me change that and personify that or personalize that a little bit. When I was without Christ, Christ died for me. <laughs> you happy about that? Does that thrill you? Is, it, is there something you know that's better news than that? Anybody here? Can anybody here tell me a story that's better than that one? Is there, is there in all of the history of mankind a more wonderful thing to celebrate than that Jesus died for ungodly men and ungodly women? That, God, that salvation is by grace through faith. I preached in Canada this weekend. 200 guys, wonderful experience. These guys were hungry, and, after, and we had like seven or eight guys raise their hand to, to inquire about salvation there on Friday night. One of those was, a, was an Amish guy. And he came to me, who's just so burdened, and his heart was pounding, his tears welling up in his eyes. My wife's been praying that I get saved, and I think it's becoming very clear to me. I want to be saved. I want, I want you to, to, to save me. I'm like, well, I can't save you, but I can introduce you to somebody who can. And so we have the privilege of leading this Amish guy to the Lord. He's going to go back and he's going to tell his wife. He's going to look her in the face and tell his wife that her prayer is answered. And that's pretty happy news, don't you think? What a thrill. Do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember when your guilt, your shame, and your sin were taken away? That's something to celebrate, wouldn't you say? That's something to glory in. That's something to rejoice in. Somebody had to die for that, though. Somebody had to suffer, our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ, he suffered and died. And so it says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, When we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, but yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't clean yourself up, bring yourself to God. You come dirty, you come guilty, you come with your shame, and he takes it. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved. Listen to verse 11. And not only that, but we also rejoice. Same word. Glory. Celebrate. Same word. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now you understand celebrating communion a little bit better? It's like the Jews celebrate Passover. They raised a little lamb, and I'm sure that the family would get attached to this little lamb, and it must be sad to kill the lamb. But then because of the death of the lamb, the firstborn is spared. And there must be great love for the firstborn. And there must be a sober, serious celebration 
when people celebrate the Passover that pointed to Jesus Christ, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So we celebrate communion right now. During a celebration of communion, we feel in our hearts a great swelling love for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us and who intercedes for us and will come and bring us back to heaven someday. And we feel a great sense of love for one another because it's a family it's a family matter around the table and that's the way our father would have it i feel a great sense of love for each of you and i trust that you feel a great sense of love for one another and that you would do whatever the father would have you do to stay in good fellowship with each one with one another within your families and within this family the family of god's people here at evangel Paul said, I received from the Lord that which I have delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Paul continues in the Corinthian letter. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When a member or a friend of our church dies, there's, there's often a funeral here at the church. That's the way it's been in all the churches that I've pastored. Funerals are kind of stuffy and they're hard. You you try to say good things about people. You certainly try to let people know if they knew the Lord, that they did know the Lord. But at best, funerals are kind of awkward. And in my opinion, the most awkward part is when the funeral director comes down to the front at the end and then he gives a, a bit of a canned speech about directions afterward, you know. Family and friends of the deceased would like to invite you to a meal. I mean, how do you say that with flair, you know? And then everybody files quietly out and they go down the fellowship hall. And when that happens, I think, I think then the ladies of the church perform a near sacramental duty. What the ladies of the church do then is probably one of the most important things in the life of a church. I've seen it over the years. They usually kind of have a menu for this. They have a system. And they have women that serve. Usually they're middle-aged or older. And the young ladies take their place as they die off. And they have this, they have this meal for the family. And it's kind of quiet at first. There's a bit of a murmur, some conversation, and things are subdued. They're kind of quiet. But then the volume comes up, and then the memories come out. Some of them are sad, but lots of them are happy. Some of them are funny. And then people laugh, and the kids, they start moving around. And after a while, it's, it's a lot like a party. There's a lot of noise. If you didn't know better, you just stumbled in. You know what you'd think? <laughs> you'd think somebody was celebrating their life. I look into the faces this morning of people who are devoted to Jesus Christ and have reason to celebrate today. And I trust that this evening that you'll have time with your family, that you'll celebrate 
one another, and you'll celebrate our country's great freedom. You'll celebrate your freedom in Christ and maybe take a moment to go across the street to a neighbor. They're not used to seeing you home on Sunday night, so you might catch them off guard. You might invite them over for your barbecue or just do something good. Just because we're not meeting here doesn't mean that we're not remembering our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, or celebrating his death and his life. You look like you know how to celebrate, so take your hymn book and let's celebrate by singing Victory in Jesus, number 314.